You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 320. In this episode, I share with you the 14 most common ways that service-based entrepreneurs use to make money online. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. In today's episode, I take you through the 14 revenue streams most online entrepreneurs use in their business. You typically just start with one revenue stream and once one stream is going well, you move on to the next one. In this episode, I'll explain exactly how each revenue stream works and when it is time to move on to the next one. Before we dive in, I want to invite you to join my upcoming masterclass. Typically, I only run my masterclasses inside my Samba community but I'm running this one publicly so that you can join too. It is about the three secrets to growing your online business for long-term success. I don't believe in overnight success or the shiny object syndrome that so many entrepreneurs fall for. Yes, I've been there too myself, but I'm gonna show you a better way, how you can really grow a successful online business for the long term. First, we will cover a proven growth plan. I will show you in a detailed breakdown how you move from one to one to one to many. Secondly, we'll talk about how you can shift your mindset so you actually can grow an online business for success. And third, I will tell you about the mistakes that I have made in my business so that you don't make them too. And you will have the opportunity to ask me questions too on this brand new masterclass. You can go to sigma.com forward slash 320 to sign up for the masterclass. And there you also find the show notes of this episode. In this episode, I want to dive into the 14 most common revenue streams. Or if you are not familiar with the name revenue stream, then we could just say it's 14 ways how you can make money online. Now, this is all specifically for service-based entrepreneurs. We're not going to talk about products here, and this is not for direct sellers or multi-level marketings or any of that sort. This is for you as a personal brand. So typically you're a coach, consultant, trainer, teacher. You have some knowledge. You have some experience, education. You've gone through some life lessons and now you're wanting to share them with the world and help others go through them faster, better, and of course, without all the mistakes that you've made yourself. So the most obvious revenue stream or the way to make money online is one-on-one -on -one coaching. Most people, and actually this is what I tell most of my clients, if they don't already have a community or a big email list, please start with one-on-one -on -one coaching. 
You don't have to do that forever. And I know for some people due to time constraint or they just don't like working one-on-one, it's something that they really detest. They just don't want to do it. They want to jump right into online courses. But if you have listened to any of my episodes, you know that I am a hardcore believer in starting to sell to one person before you can sell to many. It's kind of obvious when you say it. You can't sell to many people before you actually have convinced one person. And that's why one-on-one coaching is the most obvious start. So I would say offering coaching, many start with single sessions. And I've covered this in other episodes that you can only do that for so long. It's okay to start like that, maybe for the first couple of months, but that cannot help you build a six-figure business in a year. And I learned the lesson myself. I started to offer single sessions and it's almost as hard to sell one single session as to sell a package of six. So why sell just a single session? Because then you just have to spend more time on marketing and you could spend more time on coaching if you sell packages. So as I said, you can start by offering one hour sessions, but that's not something you're gonna keep doing for the long term. You're trading hours for dollars and you can't grow your business because you only have so many hours in the week. So there's a limit. Instead, you bundle your session into longer term packages going from six weeks to three, six, and 12 months. Typically, most people start with six weeks because that's an easy yes from a client. And if you feel six sessions are too hard, you start with three. But packaging your hours into sessions makes a lot of sense. And that's how you can do one-on-one coaching for a long time. You can build a multiple six-figure business, even a million-dollar business doing one-on-one coaching. Of course, the price has to go up. The packages have to go get longer. And at some point, those may even turn into some sort of a retainer. Retainer is a special form of one-on-one coaching where you pay a person a fixed fee, maybe for three months, six months, or 12 months. And there is no you know, special guarantee of hours. It's more about having access to that coach or to that person. This is very common when people are further in business. Also, when you maybe hire a a lawyer, instead of paying every time for a few hours, at some point, the lawyer might suggest, how about a retainer? I'm available for you or my team is available for you anytime that you need us, but you pay a fixed fee and overall you're paying a lower fee. And the same with coaching. So it's something to think about. It's not something that I've done myself. Typically, there have been a certain number of hours included, but it's something to think about if you are coaching senior business people. So one-on-one coaching, you do that until you feel you have enough experience, you've reached a certain revenue limit, or my favorite reason to shift is that you're fully booked with one-on-one and now it's time to scale. Group coaching is the next revenue stream you should be adding on. Don't stop one-on-one. I saw someone in my Sampa community mention that the other day that he wanted to stop one-on-one and move out to group coaching. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Never stop something if you haven't replaced your income in another stream, you might have to reduce it. So let's say you're fully booked with one-on-one and now you want to move on to group coaching. You, of course, have to have space in your calendar to offer this group coaching. Or if you are working offline and want to move off online, you have to make space. And typically I suggest free up one day a week 
And that should be enough to make that shift in your business. And once you start to make revenue in this new part of your business, then you can start to reduce that other piece, whether it's offline or one-on-one. So group programs make most sense to scale up from one-on-one coaching. You serve more clients in the same amount of time based on what you learned serving your one-on-one clients. Of course, now you have to structure a little bit the things that you did one-on-one. You cannot just adapt to all the people in your program, but you have learned so much working one-on-one that you know exactly what to do, in what order, and what you would do in six, eight, or 12-week group coaching program. Typically, you start shorter and you scale it up. I see many make the mistake that they immediately want to go into six and 12-month group coaching because they see me and some other people doing it. But I didn't start that way. My first group coaching program was eight weeks. And it's much easier and better to start shorter. It's easier to sell. It's easier to manage. And you learn so much. And then you can grow with your clients as you realize that they need longer time. You can have weekly or monthly calls depending on what you're teaching and how advanced your members are. Typically, you have more calls for less experienced people and less calls for more experienced people. Even if the price of the program goes up, there is not necessarily more calls. This comes back to the retainer. The more advanced people are, they need less input, but they want to know that they have access to you. Most group coaching programs start with six people in a group, but there's no set rule on how small or big a group coaching program can be. But I would say it's not really a group unless you have four people. And I've run groups with four people and it was challenging when one or two people didn't show up for a call, suddenly it was just two people on a call. So that's not really a group. And the whole point of a group is not just that you leverage your time, the people in the group program actually want to be in a group program. They want the input from the other members. So be careful on the size of the group. I say ideally start with six. And once you see that you can run a group with six people in it, think of how you can grow it. I have group coaching programs with a lot more people in it, and it works wonderfully. Of course, you then at some point add in coaches, or I have also run a group coaching program alone with 18 members, and it was beautiful. I called it a mastermind. It was my first Momentum Mastermind. And now Momentum has become a group coaching program. And I have my team helping me coach in there because then people get access to a Facebook ad manager, to a launch manager, and they get a lot more input than just from me. So at some point, you will probably scale it up to 12 months like I have done. But with group coaching, you realize it takes a lot of your time, especially when you're not yet able to have team members help you with the coaching. And even if you have that, it is real time intense investment. So let's say you have now stopped doing one-on-one, you're just doing groups and you realize how are you going to scale? Yes, you can raise prices. Yes, you can make the groups bigger. But if you suddenly get sick or want to go for an extended holiday, you cannot be running your group program. So you start to think of leverage and scale. And that's where online courses and membership sites come in. And I would say that is typically how you move from one to one to one to few, which is a group coach, and one to many. So when people think of an online business, they typically think of online courses, although they are just one of possible revenue streams, as you are hearing now in this episode. Online courses are typically four, six, eight, 12 weeks long with the same number of modules as weeks. 
Sometimes there is a fewer modules and there are some implementation weeks. Make sure you communicate that clearly up front so people are not disappointed. I know I've been in a course myself and I was looking for the module of the week and I was like, no, it's implementation week. And I'm like, oh, really? So content is typically drip-fed. Drip-fed means that you get access to one module a week, unless it's implementation week, of course. And this has proven to help people actually finish online courses. It is a problem with online courses or just online learning or e-learning in general that a lot of people sign up and then they don't do the work. And by drip feeding your course material, not giving people so much access at some time or guiding them very clearly to certain things like we do in Samba, I have the seven stage of profitable online business and it's a very clear roadmap. All the content is accessible but it's very clear what people should work on next. I would say online course is the fastest way to scale beyond groups, especially if you create a signature online course. Now, signature online course is a course that typically you charge $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, although I do have clients that have signature courses that are priced at $397. I also have a friend who has her signature program priced at $199, and she has a multi-million dollar business. It is more about the scale. So your price versus how many members. And of course, the higher the price, you need less people to sign up. And often that is a lot easier than having a lower priced course and expecting more people to sign up. I know it sounds contradictory, and a lot of people fall into this, let's say, a pit of mistakes, to think that it'd be easier to sell a lower press course. I have found it to be the opposite. I have found it a lot easier to sell a higher price program. And I would rather sell a higher price program and have more highly committed people because that's the danger with low price programs that people are not really committed. It's more likely that they buy and not do it. And what's the use of that? Because, you know, if it's just about the money, I wouldn't be doing this business. Because I want to have a bigger impact, I actually want to make sure people implement and not just buy the courses. And that's why higher price courses typically are better. Now, if you are in a low priced segment or industry or niche, let's say you're serving people, the general public, uh, not business owners, not people that have a pressing problem. It's more of a, your online program or your online business is more about something that's nice to have There's no urgent need. There's no urgent problem. The return on investment is not super clear. Then it's sometimes a lot easier to have a membership site. Let's say you're servicing teachers. If teachers have to invest themselves into education, it's more likely that a membership site will serve them. And there are many other examples that will apply to this as well. And so you can grow from one to one to one to many with a membership site. Now, because a membership site is not high priced, like a signature online course, it will take you longer to make the same amount of money unless you have a big community. So some people think I have something against membership sites, and that's absolutely not true. I'm a part of membership sites. I've run membership sites. I have clients who have run successful membership sites. The key is to understand just how long it takes to build up let's say, a six-figure online business. With a signature online course, it will typically, and I say typically because I'm generalizing here, takes a lot faster to get to six figures. 
with a membership site or any type of low-priced programs, if you have no high-priced programs, it takes you a lot longer and it's not necessarily easier to sell. So I just want to make you aware of that. When you create a membership, you may have bundles that come out once a month, similar to the drip fed way of the online courses. You may also have access immediately to some content so that people can dive in and go through in a little bit similar way as an online course. People typically join a membership site for content and then they stay for the community. So you have to think about how you're going to match those two together. So let's assume that you've done one-on-one, you've done group coaching, you've picked online courses or membership sites. I typically don't recommend you do both, at least not in the beginning. When you make your membership site your main thing, just like uh, someone has the main thing, signature online course, then it's highly likely to be successful. When it's an add-on to your business, it's not going to make a huge difference uh, revenue-wise. So think about how you're going to build that ascension model. So let's assume that you are picked online courses and you're creating your signature online course. You've stopped doing one-on-one. Group coaching, yes, you might still be doing it. Or maybe you had stopped because you took what you learned in the group coaching to your signature online program. And now it's maybe time to offer a mastermind. Unfortunately, I see the word mastermind being overused and badly used and wrongly used. It sounds cool and it sounds fancy and maybe people can charge more. I I don't know. Maybe that's the reason they want to use it. But most masterminds out there are not real masterminds. A real mastermind is when people are equal in the group and you want to hear from everyone in the group. And the coach is more of a facilitator. Of course, you join a mastermind with a coach that you respect and you want to learn something from him or her, but you're also joining for the other members. Now, you don't just call up the coach and say, who is in the program? I've never done that myself. I trust the coach to pick the right members. But the key is, it's not about content. It's a little bit about community, but typically you want to join a mastermind that it's not too big but it's not about content. People that join a mastermind are not looking to learn anything new. They need the group to learn from each other. Yes, they have business challenges and they want to learn and maybe it's kind of some tactics and strategies. So yeah, it's learning in a sense, but it's learning from each other and it's learning from what happens, especially a mastermind with mastermind retreats. I think you preferably want to offer something like that if you offer a mastermind or if you're thinking of joining one. So it's not about content. So I think you and also the people who join your mastermind need to be of some level advanced, more advanced, whether it's more advanced in business or more advanced in whatever you are teaching or coaching on. And you want to make sure that you can actually offer the two different options. So currently today I have a mastermind and I also have a group coaching program and there's a very clear difference. The group coaching program is more led, it's more coaching, it's more, you know, helping each member go through it. Mastermind, people are much more self-motivated. There is no need for accountability because everyone is super accountable, super motivated, and it's more about bringing the people together, great minds together. That's what a mastermind is. So in order to 
serve your clients on an even higher level. I mentioned retreats in the masterminds, but you can run retreats as a standalone. Uh, you can call them seminars as well, but typically this is like at least two days, people getting together in a room and going through some kind of a subject. And I have run mastermind days. I used to run mastermind days in Zurich and San Diego. I don't do that anymore. And I would offer it to eight people. And it was really, people would come with their question, with their business challenge. They would be on the hot seat and we would go through it and we would mastermind together because I made sure that people were of a certain experience level in the mastermind day. But yeah, that was just one day. But mastermind retreat. I run a six-day retreat in Iceland. Actually, I'm running the last one this year in 2019. Don't think I will run it again. It's completely sold out. Uh, so it's 12 people. We're in one house over six days, and it's informal and formal masterminding. So uh, we are sightseeing south of Iceland, and then we're also masterminding on the business. And this is the, what is it, the fourth year I run this mastermind retreat and it's been super, super nice to see how actually the people have learned so much in those six days and grown as business owners and also in their life, they've made some wonderful choices after joining the retreat. So I think offering a retreat is something, it's not a moneymaker and I want to be careful. This should not be the first thing you offer. Really make sure that you have a sustainable business that is growing, that is making you revenue, that is profitable before you think about a retreat. Sadly, I see people jumping on the retreat because it sounds cool to offer a retreat in Bali or in my case in Iceland. But you have to have a business that's actually making you profits. And the retreat itself is not going to be so profitable. Actually, I probably lost money on the first retreat. And then since then, it's been profitable. But it's not that profitable. My time is better invested sitting at my desk at home and coaching people in a group coaching program on a mastermind. The retreat brings me in a lot less net revenue, but it makes sense when you want to work on a deeper level with your best clients, your super fans, to offer something where people can meet live. So now I've stopped offering Mastermind Retreat Iceland, but I'm seriously considering doing maybe a launch workshop or something because, you know, I have done numerous multiple six-figure launches. And I think that's something that I could teach my clients in a one or two-day workshop, but that would be for advanced people. So just think of ways how you could do something, whether you call it workshop, seminar, or retreat. And this is to serve your best clients on a higher level, and you're going to price it accordingly. These were more smaller things. The next revenue stream would be more like life events and conferences where you're actually talking about having 30, 40. So I think actually 30 is more like a workshop. And once you go to the 50, 70, that feels more like a life event. This is more a sales event probably for you. Yes, you can have a conference and charge tickets, but those types of conferences, especially in the coaching space, are not profitable. So think of life events as a way to bring your audience to the next level. Let's say you have an online course and you have a group coaching program. Having a life event where everyone comes together, you give them amazing content. So even if they don't want to take the next level, they're super happy. 
Typically, you want to do this over two to three days. We do one day life event, uh, Sigrun Life, we call it, which is offered only to our Samba community and everyone who's also in Momentum Group Coaching or VIP Mastermind gets free access one day. Actually, those who are in any type of mastermind or group coaching, they get two days and Samba participants get one day. And this is a wonderful get together. Actually, one of the best comments I got after our every Sigrun Life actually is, Sigrun, this event isn't really about you. And I'm like, no, it isn't. It is about the community. So if you want to build a community, you can do so online. Yes. But I found after I started to run live events, now I've run three and the fourth is coming up in October. The community, the online community is stronger because we've had an offline component to it. So that could be another revenue stream for you. I want to mention books. Now, books are a revenue stream if you self-publish them. Typically not if you go through a publisher, maybe, but maybe a little bit. But they're more of a business card. And yes, there are many who start with ebooks, but you can't really build a six-figure online business with ebooks. But you can write books, put them out there, sell them for a low price, and this is a almost like a paid freebie that brings people maybe to your online course or membership site. I definitely think books are a great way to distinguish yourself from other people. Now, I haven't written my book yet, but it is on the horizon within the next 12 months. So just stay tuned. Speaking is the next revenue stream. Most coaches, consultants, trainers, teachers start by speaking for free. And I don't think you should hold back on speaking. If somebody invites you to speak and you think your ideal client is sitting in the audience, you should do it even if you're not getting paid. But at some point, maybe you are in year three, four or five of your business, you've built a brand, you are successful, then of course you start to charge. And maybe you just charge thousand euro, $2,000. And then that trickles up as you become more in demand. At some point you will say, well, speaking costs me a full day. I have to prepare. That's another day. I'm going to charge 5000 because otherwise my time would be better spent working on my online course or, you know, doing a VIP day with a client. Speaking brings you in front of a new audience and that is really important for you. And then you could think about TEDx Talk. Now, TEDx Talks are not paid, but they are like a quality stamp for other speaking opportunities. And that's what has happened for me. So you can go and watch my TEDx talk by going to sign.com forward slash TEDx. Now we come into more advanced revenue streams, licensing and certification. Let's say you're already now a couple of years in business. You've done one-on-one, you've done groups, you've done online courses or membership sites. You've added maybe workshop or retreats. Maybe you're doing your own conference and it's time to offer a coaching certification. Yes, anyone can do that. You can create your own method. You do this over years. This doesn't typically happen in your first year of business, but it could start to happen in a second or third year of business that you want to license out your methodology. Now, there are different ways to do this. You could just offer a coach certification. So the Sigrun method or the Samba method or the seven stages method could just be a method 
that I teach, people pay for a training program and then they're certified. And typically a certification lasts for a year and then they have to come back for a refresher. You can also do some sort of licensing of a whole model. So you could have an online course and you could license it out. It's called white labeling or something. So if I create an online course and then somebody says, can I run this course within my program? And then I would take all the branding off my slides. It would still maybe be my voice and my face, but they would be able to brand it and sell it. So licensing a certification is typically something you do when you are already in the higher stages, like you've already pretty advanced in your business, but it's a wonderful extra revenue stream. It's pretty much except if you are coaching the coaches, uh, it's typically a passive income revenue stream. But of course, you have to have someone to manage it and make sure you have good contracts. Now, there are a few other additional revenue streams that I want to mention. They are typically not a main revenue stream, but they could be an add-on to something that you're doing. So you can be an affiliate for other businesses. Now, we have affiliates for Somba, and our affiliates are doing well. They are students of the program, so we typically do not have affiliates that are not students of the program, and they have been successful students, and they have a story to share, and then we offer them to be affiliates, and they can earn extra money. And so percentage-wise, it used to be 50-50, but people have realized that actually PayPal fees and Stripe fees get deducted from the course creator's income. So now what you would more expect is 40-60. So the affiliate gets 40%. So you can either be an affiliate or you can offer someone to be your affiliate. But as a revenue stream, you are the affiliate, of course. Another way to call affiliate revenue is referrals. Affiliate revenue is typically you get a link and you can send the link around. You can do a Facebook Live or a webinar or send out emails. And you can have your link everywhere to make sure you get leads for the person that you're trying to get affiliate commission from. Referrals are more hands-on. You don't necessarily have a link. You might just have a, a general link, uh, not an affiliate link, that has no cookie and nothing in it. Uh, so you might recommend a program, but then you have to rely on knowing who you have recommended the program to or the person is being honest when they're asked who referred you or did somebody refer you, and then you get a commission back. So typically those commissions are a little bit lower, but it's an extra revenue stream that you should not ignore, especially in the beginning of your business. If you like a program, you can ask for it. You can ask your coach. You can ask uh, someone that you really like uh, if you can refer their businesses. I refer a lot of businesses and I do not expect anything in return. That's just the way I operate. But, you know, if someone would ask me, let's say a website designer that had worked for me, that could be a potential thing that I would then want to get some commission from if I wanted to put it out to my community. Software is something that some online entrepreneurs have started to go into. And yes, software is still a service. So I want to mention it because we're talking about service-based revenue streams for online entrepreneurs. Now, very few of you will be honestly thinking about software. And I might do it one day because I actually know how to <laughs> do software. I used to run a software company for many years. I have a master's degree in computer science. So 
It is a serious thought that comes to me from time to time, but I would want to make sure that the software is really something that I need for my own business. I think it's always best to solve your own problems because it's more likely you find clients out there for the problem. And last but not least, I want to mention magazines and apps. These are also service-based revenue. I had a client once who had a magazine as an app and you could download one for free. And then if you wanted more, it was subscription-based. And yes, it takes time to build up. It's just like my comment on the membership site. Any type of low-priced offering takes more time and you need to have a large community to make it really pay off. The same with apps. People expect apps to be free. So you need to think about an add-on service that is going to have people wanting to pay for that service. I used a lot of apps, for instance, like Evernote, free for a long time until I lost the note and I could actually get it back if I paid. And since then, I've been a paying client because actually I do like to pay for software that I use or apps that I use because I want to make sure that they're updated. And I use very few today. I remember when I started to use my iPhone, I would download apps all the time, but less is more. So maybe software, magazines, and apps is nothing for you, but it's good to know that these revenue streams exist and one day they might be something you want to think about. So these were the 14 ways to make money online if you're a service-based entrepreneur, if you're a coach, consultant, teacher, trainer, someone who wants to share the knowledge and help others succeed faster. You can go to sigm.com forward slash 320 to sign up for the masterclass and there you also find the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share on Instagram using the hashtag Sigrun Show and tag me Sigrun.com. And of course, I would love for you to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how more entrepreneurs like you will find this episode and the other episodes of this podcast. I'll see you in the next episode.